Okay. Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm Nina. I'm Letha. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, Lull. And indeed, it is a lull. Indeed. What does that mean, Letha? <laughs> well, according to one Jonathan Kreese, a lull is the period between wars. For in Kreese's opinion, there is no such thing as peace. There are only lulls before the fighting starts again. Right, between battles. Um, and this is relevant because we more or less, Amanda, I should say, open, like wakes up to a completely empty bed. And to no one's surprise, um, Daniel's new obsession with his Miyagi dojo uh, is actually taking him away from his re- adult responsibilities. And as we noted, I had assumed all this time that the dojo was just the backyard, which was like a palatial thing. But it's actually at a second location. I believe it's actually Miyagi's old house. I okay, seem, like, which he's just kind of taken over. I think he inherited over. it or bought it or something, and like he kind of souped it up into a dojo. Wouldn't it be hilarious if like Miyagi's next of kin was like, "Hey, we live here. You can't just like take it over." And, and he was, he's like, "No, this is my spiritual father." You yeah. Understand, right? Wow. Um, um, yeah. So I mean, the other thing I noted uh, is a while ago I had been. When we were talking about Anthony and his absence in the last several episodes, um, Amanda wakes up. She's surrounded by family photos. If you look closely, Anthony is not in a single one of those. It I is three that. faces. Anthony's and the one they want to forget. There is four framed photographs, and Anthony's not in a single one of them. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. It is cold. I mean, I completely understand now that this kid is right. Yeah. I mean, if you meet Anthony, you get it, but still. I mean, if you think cold. daddy issues makes people join Cobra Kai, Anthony is tailor-made for right. it. Yeah. I cannot wait for this. Yeah, and then the LaRussos will have no one to blame but themselves. Right. Why didn't we put him in any of the family photos? Normally, because it's like Amanda LaRusso is like this empathetic figure, but even she just even has she no has love limits, in her heart. Right? Yeah. Okay, we're getting back into it. Um, so yeah, Daniel is gone because he's back at the dojo. Um, and we, I mean, this episode is is structured kind of neatly in that um, it is called Lull. We are looking at a lull between major conflicts between our dojos. And so we get to see each of them do a training exercise. But to kick things off, to set the tone, if you will, um, Daniel's, you know, uh, in the backyard of his dojo. And then... Who should he see working on a punching bag but Crease? <laughs> yes, and Crease is smoking a cigar while punching the bag. Why? You cannot be enjoying your cigar that way. I mean, his cigar habit is so extreme because I think he's smoking a full-on stogie in every scene he's in. He's so extra. And I, he must be in like late-stage lung cancer by right. now. There's, right? I mean, there's no there's way. There's no way that man can breathe hard while smoking a cigar. And doing karate. Something. Yeah, no. it's impossible. How long do you think he was waiting at Miyagi-Do for, for Daniel to show up? I think he was there since like 2 a.m. All, all night, probably? Yeah, yeah, like for all these idiotic, dramatic entrances he has, you really do need to like be waiting, yeah. lying in wait for I a while. I think this this might be the episode where Kreese jumped the shark for me. <laughs> Like it took this long. Huh? It took all the way to season two, <laughs> episode seven, um, and it's it's actually it's so interesting because it wasn't even that long ago, right? He appears as a silhouette at the end of season one. It has really just been he's had six full episodes 
to one win my heart and maybe lose it a little bit too. It's he like he has worn out his welcome. He really has, and actually, so that's it. Kind of like perfectly sets the stage for what happens in this episode. Um, so yeah, he's he's lurking around Miyagi Do, and he's goading Daniel. We gotta play it. Yep. It's a cute little place you got here. You teach karate or gardening. So this is what it's come to: breaking and entering. I'm just here to say thank you. Thank me for what? Well, taking our weakest soldiers from our ranks. That was kind. Soldiers. They're kids. We were all kids once. You may think you got the best of Johnny Lawrence, but I promise you, this time I won't let him lose. Lose what? This isn't war. Sure it is. War never ends. Peace is just the love between battles. Did you really think you're gonna attack Cobra Kai and there wouldn't be any consequences? You better hope that your students are ready, because I promise you, ours will be. What do you love most about this scene? So I love that Daniel's reaction, and you know, I know we're often on the anti-Daniel bandwagon, but Daniel's reaction is the perfectly logical reaction of any any sane person who's like, what war? Yeah. What are you talking They're about? They're kids. <laughs> like, you insano. What are you training them for, you fucking psycho? Um, I also, one thing that I was kind of like, come on, Daniel, is that when... Chris stubs out his cigar at the end of the scene in a bonsai. And Daniel's just kind of staring at him. I'm just like, Daniel, call 911 and tell them that there is a vagrant on your property. That is true. He is a literal homeless man who wandered into your backyard. He has a home. I think he's crashing at the Cobra Kai dojo. I don't care, man. He's a grifter. He's a slash, vagrant. Slash he's the an Hilton. actual vagrant. Okay, still oh. holding out that he's a rich man. What do you like most about this scene? Um... I think this was the scene where I was like, yeah, this is the scene where I'm like, okay, Crease, enough. Enough of doing what you're doing. I, I'm t- I, I just don't feel like you should be at the dojo at this moment. Um, and I, I want to say that what he's doing is actually trespassing. It is actually something. Oh, he's probably but, broken hundreds of laws since uh, he came back to town. Yeah, like the thing is, it's like, I, I like his whole, like, did you see in the real world it works like this? And it's like, in the real world, you get arrested for assault and trespass. Again, what I would really love is like a flashback origin story where it's actually like, Kreese is a successful businessman in South America and has been pampered. And then he comes here and he's like, you know what? This isn't gritty enough for me. I have to remake myself. And he creates this like storied he war He gets path. a jean jacket. He, he gets a duffel bag. <sighs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's Kreese coming back in that way. I think this is the episode where I started to get a little sick of him. Yeah. Um, and it, it does set the tone for the, the rest of the episode, but... It's just like the creasiest crease moment, and it's just like, yeah. I, I mean, it almost was like, if you want to shine a spotlight on how illogical and ridiculous this character is, you just need this one scene. Right, right, right. Like, that's okay. it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about Johnny coming back. You know, he was only really gone in the last episode for a day, right? He, like, 
Went out on a day-long road trip? Or no, one day and one night. Like a day and a night or maybe a couple of days. So not that long. Right. And it's like he comes back and Kreese has like fully moved himself in. Kreese has organized his office and says, though I paid off some invoices. That is garbage. the military man in me couldn't resist. So So what? Okay, You're good at organizing homeless vagrants? So in one sense, he's like, you know what? I don't fight your regular war. He's like a mercenary. He's probably scalping people still he's not playing by the regular military rules whatever at the same time when he's not doing that he's um he's paying invoices right and, and, and that seems like too pussy a move for creation also he's condoing his like johnny's they, office right. it's like Listeners, just a, a light spoiler. It becomes important later that Chris is like good at going through files and things like that. But it's just like, why is he good at this? Uh, because he's a military man. Please, I'm sure he never consented to driving a desk or whatever like it, this kind of work is called. And like, I yeah, I it just it's insane. Again, like all of the other Chris elements come together. It's just completely insane to think that he also organizes offices in his spare time. And. I mean, Johnny is kind of, like, perturbed, uh, because, one, I think he's, does he see, like, a, a, hmm, maybe I'm getting, like, lost in the order of scenes here, um, yeah, because, no, they, they immediately go to the kind of, like, exercise in the woods, right, yeah, so it's, like, a slow build, but Johnny is not, like, pleased to see Kreese install himself. Right, he's like, oh, you're making yourself pretty comfortable here. Um, and then, of course, like, students come up and are like, what, we're not, like, practicing the dojo today. We're going to Coyote Creek, where, like, you separate the men from the boys or something. And and Johnny says, I don't think they're ready for that yet, which means that Kreese has done this before. I guess this so. is it like was probably a classic, like a, like, a classic Kreese move. Or a classic. Rambo thing. Yeah, and it's, okay. um, to be fair, it, it's kind of a cool uh, exercise where you get, like, half the students, you put red headbands on them, the other half get black headbands, and... You know, they're supposed to steal each other's headbands, last headbands. By any wins. means necessary, according to Kreese. And then Johnny's just like, use your judgment. It's just an exercise, you know. Like, And then Kreese is like, but, but really, no, it isn't. It is. Right. Go nuts, guys. <laughs> right. um, the other important thing is that uh, Stingray, or Home Depot guy, shows up. Still Chubbs. Still Chubbs. He's at a makeover. He has... Doesn't, I don't know. He's wearing like a motorcycle jacket. I don't think and that now actor he has like was... a weird like braid beard, and he wants to go by Sting right now. He says he's flipping the script, Hawk style. Hawk looks horrified. Everybody. I will does. say Hawk has a permanent smirk that kind of annoys me, and I wonder like it's. I wonder if he took that from Kreese because it's like every time you look at Hawk, at least he's just... not pouting like. Kreese yeah, is, but, I mean uh... it's only a matter of time. <sighs> yeah, he'll get there. But yeah, I mean I'd like to say about Stingray, but at this point. I mean, yeah, like, it, it's a little funny when he's like, I'll be known as Stingray, and, like, the music plays, and then, like, you know, Johnny's like, nope, you're still shoves to me, and it stops. But I'm also just like, I'm totally sick of him, man. Why is he here? Like, <laughs> this is just, it's just secondhand embarrassment every time I see him, you know? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the teams. Um, I don't know if I read. So, yeah, Miguel is on Crease's team. Crease's team red. Right? That's right. Um, and Hawk is... Yeah, uh, no, no. Hawk is Team Red, which is Chris's team. Tori and Miguel are Team Black. Okay. Yeah. And this is important because as they're all fighting... Let's talk about the first fight, which is Tori and Miguel kind of teaming up to take out one of the other Kais. 
Did you find that cute? Not really. No. Did you? I mean, initially in that, I don't know. It's just fun to see Miguel being like lighthearted and really for Miguel to have any screen time. And if I have to decide between Sam and Tori as a love interest, like Tori is by several orders of magnitude more interesting. I get that. And she's a good fighter. Yeah. And I I liked it. I get what you're saying. I liked it when they were like, you know, the kid with the red headband comes upon both of them and like he gets in a fighting stance and they're both fighting him. But then, like, at a certain point, it kind of feels like they're tossing him back and forth to, like, punt, like beat on him. And I was just like, I don't like to see that. Yeah. Miguel, especially. Like, yeah. Ooh. I caught that this time. And and sure enough, when that scene ends and they do take the headband. Um, oh, and they also Johnny, kick him after they take off his headband. They headbands. kick him. And then Johnny is kind of off in the distance looking concerned. Yeah, he's got a what the fuck look on his face. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like, this is sort of leading up to, like, oh, you see Hawk. Engage in this utterly ludicrous attack on um, the kid with the curly hair, where he basically, you know, he is a bit crease like because you know, just as you're like when you look at crease in like Daniel's backyard, you're like, how long were you waiting there? When you see Hawk's attack, it appears that he climbed a tree um, and then jumped from ten feet above to tackle curly haired guy, and it's just like, how long were you in that tree, buddy? How is this an efficient way to attack someone? This is ridiculous. But he is the hawk, and you get to hear a hawk noise when he does so. Um, he also shows off his Medal of Honor to, to like... Yeah, begin. I mean, hawk is maybe the worst at this entire... Like, you're supposed to be a little bit more low-key. At first, he was feeling guilty a little bit about the crime in the right. last episode, and, like, a little nervous... And now he's just pretty, like, he's full. Right, he's showing off his Medal of Honor. And it's like, okay, I don't think stealing a a Medal of Honor from a dead World War II vet... It's a creepy thing to do. Yeah, it's not really a badass thing to do. It's more like you robbed a grave. That's just a weird thing to do. (laughs) Right, Eli Maskowitz, grave robber. Yeah, it's like, like, why would you think that's badass? And also, like, Crease... Okay... Actually, this, like, supports my theory that Kreese never fought in any war. Like, if you fought in a war, you probably don't think stealing another man's war medal is cool. Well, that's the thing, though. Kreese doesn't believe in honor. He believes in, like, whatever the fuck. Like, yes, taking all of the things. He doesn't believe in respecting vets. He's a vet, supposedly. I don't think he is. He fought outside. It was an extrajudicial killing. He is not. He never fought in any war. I'm going to say it right now. He's just a crazy homeless guy. An unofficial war. A street war, if you will. Um, Yeah. So at the end, Hawk and Miguel are the final two left, or so we think. Mm -hmm. And they face off, and they have a pretty good fight. It's a good fight. Yeah. Again, we're always so thrilled to see people actually doing karate or fighting at all in this show. Oh, it's, yeah, and it's it's actually just, like, they're pretty well-matched. I mean, yeah. it's also just kind of, like, yeah, and they've actually, I don't know how plausible it is that, like, kids who've been doing karate a year would be able to fight this well, but I like seeing it anyway. Whatever. It's, yeah, it's cool. yeah, and I don't know. Anything that you may have liked about Hawk, it's just missing. The guy is, like, a soulless... Yeah. Sociopath. It's... So when Miguel like takes him down, you cheer. When he takes the headband, you feel good. And I remember shouting. I mean, I did just shout at the screen like "Finish him!" Because you would <laughs> love to see somebody step on his face. And then, and then, well, Crease uh, actually does shout that out, "Finish him!" And Miguel does like he kicks him when he's down, right? I wonder if Crease should have shouted, "Put him in a body bag." Nah. <laughs> well, <played>. too soon. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, uh... And that leads to actually, like, my... 
probably my favorite moment in the episode is that like I like that you know Johnny's like you know I didn't teach you how to do that like I, I like I why'd you do that like why'd you attack him when he was down and Miguel says like well like you know Sensei Kreese is teaching us how to win in what the last two days I guess so it's been a hell of a two days I don't for understand but I love this that Johnny like just says is that how you want to live your life and like it's like you know, Daniel needs to like. Tell that's what a I. If I ever story. have kids in some zero percent chance thing, that's that's how I'm going to end every single. And it's like, is that how you want to live your life? And it's this perfect, just kind of like he doesn't need to say any more than that. Like he's already obviously got like a bond with Miguel, but like it's like a perfect one line that like changes Miguel's outlook. Daniel would like probably give a ten minute speech that had like eight Miyagi anecdotes yeah. in it to make the same point, which is yeah, yeah. Like, come on, like. It's kind of like stealing the Medal of Honor. Like, do you think that makes you look cool? Like, you look like an idiot. Um, Anyways, then, of course, we get to the surprise of the episode. It turns out that despite Miguel seemingly being the last man standing, the black team did not win. Yes. um, Stingray, a.k.a. Chubbs, um, maybe has earned the name Stingray by this episode because of his sneak attack coming out of the ground. He has been hiding under a pile of leaves. Because what else does he, he might have, have to do? He might have dug a hole, too. I don't know. But, like, he's been hiding there the entire time just so he could emerge. Uh, Even Kreese looks surprised. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, Kreese is like, okay, sure. Just As one crazy this. person looking at another crazy person, there's some mutual admiration there. I mean, doesn't it, isn't this the red team's way? Hawk hiding in a tree for, like, eight you know, hours, Kreese hiding actually, in that backyard. Actually, you know how we've talked about oddball pairings and how entertaining they are? If they had an entire episode where, like, it was, like, Dimitri and Daniel stuck together, um, Johnny and Anthony, yeah. and Kreese and Chubbs. Kreese and Stingray. You're right, these are the pupil-sensei relationships that Yeah, because they would bring out the most random elements in I, each other. I would be actually interested in seeing, just as I told you, I would love to see just Daniel train Dimitri. I'd be interested in seeing what Kreese does with someone like Stingray. Yeah. That's fascinating, actually. <laughs> um, that's Yeah, that'd just be interesting. But uh, that that's like, that's the uh, Coyote Creek exercise, which, uh, you know what? I'm going to ask you at the end whether you prefer this one or what Miyagi-Do is doing this week, which is they train in, like, what, 100-degree heat? It's and... just a classic. It's it's just a, a heat wave day, and they're out in Miyagi-Do, and they're all sweating, and they don't want to do... And the thing is, I've never seen the Miyagi-Do students do anything as intense as what the Cobra Kai... They're doing burpees on end just to suss out who might have defaced another dojo. They're getting into cement mixers. They're running all over random woods. Like, to the extent that, like, every time you flash to Miyagi-Do, they're either squabbling about what Cobra Kai teens have done to them and, like, exploring their own inner neuroses, or they're, like, moving a rock, (laughs) fixing a dojo, doing some low-key kata, which... Don't make me defend Miyagi-Do, but that you do see them, Just like... try. They're doing this thing where, like, they're all in a circle, and, like, the person in the center of the circle has to, like, ward off attacks or something. Um, seeing Dimitri do this is painful. Seeing Robbie do this is also painful because his shirt is off. <laughs> it's um, not that hot. It's okay, not that can hot. Okay, can we just Everybody say, Robbie, on. put your shirt on. But oh. honestly, listeners, this is not the most uncomfortable moment. With Robbie yeah. in this episode. I should mention... That Sam is wearing a fetching light blue tank top in this episode. And because, this is important because 
you see her near the beginning with in her a, friend Moon. No, it's it's her part of her desperate search for friends. Um, and we're all dragged along this futile journey with her. Oh, um, God, yeah. So now that now she and Moon, who like I think have not spoken in a season, are hanging out again. And Sam wants to know which tank top to wear. Which would Robbie like best? It's like oh. Sam learned how to socialize like as an alien, like from watching sitcoms. Like she doesn't quite know how to make friends or talk to people. And Moon's just like. Moon is mooning it up, and, and she can get along with anybody, yeah, so... Yeah, she's, like, drinking a hippie shake, and it's just like, do you have a crush on somebody? Why do you care which tank top you wear? Um, but you're right. Something about that whole interaction just felt off. Like, she she are It's like, like Sam has lived underground for 20 years, and she's just coming out. And she, she has to make should, it as a normal teen. You have to have a girl tell you that your clothes look pretty. She's like, okay, good. Practice this in front of the mirror, Sam. Okay, uh, which color do you think makes me look good? Now let's pick out shoes. Okay. You know, and just like, yeah. okay, sure. I guess I, I guess that's what you think girls do together. That's fine. Yeah. Um, no, they don't. They have Cobra Kai podcasts together. <laughs> um, anyways. So, right. And the whole point of this, I guess the underlying lesson is, uh, Daniel says, sometimes the fight comes to you. And he's talking about Crease. Crease is inspiring lessons all across the that's board. That's true. And it's like, you know, it's interesting. He's like, you know, so you don't know the fight's not always going to be in 75 degree weather. So they're training in the heat and obviously they're miserable. Um, and then he's like, well, okay, you don't like the heat. How about we train in the cold? And so he takes them to a meat locker. Where the fuck is this meat locker? How does he have access to a meat locker? What is Can going we pull on? up a map of Reseda and just think, is he just have so much wealth that he's like scouting out training locations throughout the city. I own a meat like, locker. Just he has case. like nine different leases and one of them is actually like, yeah. I don't know. Bizarre. But like, <laughs> I, I understand that he, he's kind of like, you know, in the cold, like you get, your senses are heightened and you can sense attacks. He is totally making this bullshit I mean, is that up. true? Do you think Miyagi took him to a meat locker? I don't think Miyagi took him to Miyagi's a meat locker. Miyagi's not going to do that. Miyagi, Miyagi has shit that. to do. Yeah, yeah. Miyagi has Miyagi shit was to do. very practical. He's like, look, I... I need, you're this kid, I want to help you out, but I also need this fence painted. So let's so, kill two birds with one stone. Exactly. Yeah. His ex, Daniel's exercises are like, okay. If Daniel was smart, harsh. I mean, first of all, the backstory is, again, he is dodging calls from Amanda, who's like, where the fuck are you? We have a dealership to run. Our, our best employee, Anoush. Anoush, who is un- I always liked as a president yeah, of the show. Yeah, he's unhappy. He wants this meeting with you. Be there. Naturally, Daniel's priorities are all messed up. He ignores her. He has to take those kids to a meat locker, man, a train. Exactly. Um, um, this does lead to, I mean, this is ridiculousness all around, but it does lead to a nice moment for Dimitri, who... You know, when he's in the center of, like, the meat locker circle, he's doing predictably terrible. And, again, this is, like, where I see, I see, like, this show is so frustrating because it's, like, moments like this, I see, like, shades of its former greatness where, like, um, Dimitri is upset because he's bad at this and also he has a hole in his sock, which I have been there, man. I get it. It's really distracting. And then, you know, Daniel just tells him, you are the most neurotic person I've ever met. You expect the worst out of every situation, but you know what? You can use your Dimitriness like that. Like that's kind of like you always expect the worst, so you should kind of have heightened senses about attacks and things like that. And I get that. I like that idea that maybe you should work with like the natural psychological bullshit your students are bringing. You know, and I, I like that a lot. 
I do like that Dimitri harnesses his Dimitri power for a second, and he manages to ward off one attack, and the music swells, and then stops when he gets kicked in the stomach in the next one. That, yeah, that was classic. I, feel, I love that how, I don't know, why isn't even entertained that maybe karate is not the answer for everybody? It, maybe it doesn't have to be between two dojos. Maybe Dimitri should look into quieter hobbies, like chess or bird watching. But, but see, that's the thing. Dimitri is actually the only character who really needs to learn karate because his former best friend's trying to beat him up. That or you could, I mean, I feel like someone like Dimitri's like, you know what? I'm just going to get a gun license. Oh my God. No. That is going into scary territory. It is scary, but I mean, this is the kind of thing What, like, if we're true to life here, Dimitri's not going to be like, he's like two to three years of intense karate practice. But in the world of the show, you can get pretty good in a week or two, so. Right, but that's not Dimitri, right? (laughs) I, I, okay. You need a, like, a level of physical... Man, I mean, I, I see where you're, where you're going, and there is a dark Cobra Kai spinoff to be had. Like, right. what if any of these kids just got a gun? But yeah, it's terrifying. But Dimitri learning karate for him, it's he's it actually does make sense that this would be the answer to his problem, which is that his former best friend like wants to kill him. I guess. Do you think that um, what's his face Hawk still wants to kill Dimitri, or has he moved on since the mall incident? I mean, in the world of the show, that happened a week ago, so you never know. It could happen again. Yeah. Um, and also, I think that it's just, like, for Dimitri, like, learning karate is, like, he's, if it's not Hawk, I feel like people beat up on Dimitri a lot. That's true. So karate might be a good thing to have in his back pocket. And if he can use his Dimitriness to avoid getting hurt, that's good. I, I really feel like he's the student that Daniel needs, you know, when Daniel's the teacher that he needs. Like, yeah. that's their pupil master relationship makes sense to me more than like most of the other ones in this entire show i know um so shall we i hate that we have to talk about this we do it's the elephant in the room the disgusting slow-mo erotically charged (laughs) yeah we said it we're talking of course to the romance that nobody asked for and no one wants to see but yet we bear witness robbie and sam um, what could be worse than wheel technique, you ask? Well, guess oh, what, guys? Having to watch them circle each other like mammals at the waterhole. In- yeah, it is in one of the most cringeworthy things I've seen. They come together at the end of this episode to, I guess, recap the day. I imagine they do that. They live together. After what seems like an endless six minutes of them fighting in this storage room locker. I don't even know how... Daniel is able to watch this and oh, not barf. Because yeah. as they're fighting, you see, you know, since it's cold, you can see Dimitri's breath. Uh, not Dimitri. Um, <laughs> I kind of wish it was Dimitri. You can see Robbie's breath um, expelled from his mouth. And then you see Sam's breath. And then you see their breath meet. It is revolting on a level that oh. we cannot even describe. I, yeah, it's and if you thought it couldn't get worse, at the end of the episode... You know, like they're recapping and, you know, Robbie asks Sam. And Sam is clearly trying to make something happen because she's like, what was your favorite part of the day? Or no, no, no. It's, it's what I call temperature flirting. Temperature flirting. He asked her, like, what her favorite part was. She was like, I prefer room temperature. What was your favorite part? And he says. I'm not going to say it. He says. The heat. <laughs> oh. Everyone now just proceed to throw bleach all over your body because you will never feel clean again. So they kiss and it's... And 
Everyone's okay. like, Robbie, you had a moment of sense. You are throwing away your stable home, everything you have. Do you want to go back to where the power was shut off and the water wasn't running? And you don't even have a home anymore. Yeah, man. What the fuck is his mom? Is she still in Cabo? No idea. But, like, Robbie, you do not want to end up like Crease. Okay? Like, stick oh away God. from the girl. That's it. All the parallels. Maybe Crease, Crease's real origin story was that he was a young Robbie. You know? And he, now I've life's a war for karate him. Karate. He goes, okay. Gave him some strength and then ruined his life. Why does he love karate so much? Again, everyone goes back to their first love. Well, he's, a, he's a complicated guy. Just right. as Robbie is. Oh, God. Yeah, so, anyways, so they're carrying on. Um, and Miguel, who, by the way, has gotten precious little screen time this entire season, has... Again, they they communicate so much, Johnny and Miguel, in just a few words. Miguel takes back the Medal of Honor uh, to Casa LaRusso, and he wants to give it back to Sam. Robbie answers the door, and Robbie was, like, all pissy. You know, like, Robbie's got the what-do-you-want face. Miguel just, he gives it back, and he he basically just says, like, I had nothing to do with taking it. And he says, tell Sam I'm sorry. Yeah. And And naturally, Robbie is not going to do that because Robbie's a little shit. I mean, to be honest, like this actually gives him some character. Yeah, exactly. He's not just like a a saint because that's how he's been. He's portrayed as like a saint and like um, a Daniel acolyte. And, you know, he chooses not to tell Sam that, uh, that Miguel like stopped by and returned the medal and everything. And and that's like, at least like, okay, that's something. It's believable. It's like a teen thing. It's what a teenage boy who's just managed to get some would probably do, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Teenage boys, right in and defend yourselves. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so that that actually, you're right, he might be a little shit weasel, but he starts to seem a little more human just from that. Um, but that's not the end of the episode, for we do have one. Oh, God, it's the best part, I yeah. think. Um, so we're back at the Cobra Kai Dojo, and... Johnny is now all the way... Kreese is, by the way, smoking a cigar, a full-on even cigar more, at his even desk. Even than he was doing it in his first scene in this episode. Yeah, he, he's no longer skulking around. He is, like, fully part of the dojo, and Johnny is over it. After what he saw at Coyote Creek and watching his favorite student kind of go down a dark path, I love that he just calls out Kreese on his bullshit Right, like, you've been filling my students' heads with, like, some bullshit. It didn't work then. Like, back in my day, it doesn't work now. And he was like, I don't even know what kind of shit you've seen. (laughs) But I don't care anymore. And we're all kind of with him there. because. And, again, I love the continuity in that maybe he needed to, like, get back with his old karate buddies to be like, okay, this is to, like, put the past where it belonged and realize that, Okay, it's it's fine. We don't need to bring Crease along for the ride. Right. And you know what? I was, like, going to say that, like... So, finally, he's, like... He basically says there's a difference between no mercy and no honor. And, like, while I'm chanting in my head, throw this bum out, he throws him out. He's like, this isn't going to work and leave. To me, I was like, why didn't you do this sooner? But, like, now that you bring this up right now, I'm like, yeah, maybe he did need to reconnect with his past in order to sort of realize you don't need to, like, constantly haul along the past. And that's... Yeah. Yeah, so that was nice. I like that I like that he was unswayed. You know, just as I love that Daniel's reaction to Crease is like everyone's reaction, which is like what the fuck are you talking about? I like that his reaction to Crease once again bringing up all the shit he's seen and the wars he's fought in is just like 
fuck it, just go, please. Yeah, we're all very tired of it. And it's quickly, it's like interesting how quickly it sneaks up on you. And I say this as like a... A Kree super fan. A Kree super fan. And like, as I was watching this episode, I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) Like... There's no nuance. There's no shading to your character at all. We keep no. waiting for it. And, um, yeah, I feel like Johnny was always trying to, like, prove the principle of, like, everyone deserves second chances. And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe Kreese is just who he is. I mean, this probably would have been too much for this this show. Well, actually, no. I mean, I feel like the se- season one was, like, so good that I think they could have made this work if, like, they just made Kreese not like an evil mastermind, but just kind of like a mentally ill old man. Yeah, you know? which I really think he is. <laughs> yeah, like clearly like he is, but like instead he's like a criminal mastermind who like sneaks around threatening people and stuff like that, which would have been okay if it was all in the context that like, if it may, if you also felt like bad for him. You don't though, because obviously he's like a cartoon villain, but like there's another there's another way this could have been told where it's just like, He's, like, very seriously mentally ill. He has PTSD. He thinks he's still at war. And, yeah. and it would come across as sad instead of just, like, bullshitty and, and ridiculous, you know? But And maybe an even more interesting backstory that his hatred of Miyagi-Do comes from being jealous of Miyagi having fought in war. Oh, like a my true, God. The true Medal of Honor versus Kreese's fake Medal of Kreese Honor. Kreese is a draft dodger. You're right. Exactly. You are right. Oh, my God. That would have been interesting. That's the revelation. Yeah. Like, he's always wanted to fight in a war. Yeah. He, and he had to make that shit up. Because, like, that's the thing. The By more the way, he talks about it, the more I'm like, I don't think you were ever in a war. And when he comes back and he's he hangs up a photo of himself in Johnny's office where he's holding a machine gun and he's wearing, like, a, the green beret and everything. And I was thinking, that shit is photoshopped to hell and back. Right. And also, it's just... So, I'm not... Look, I'm not asking for, like, uh, verisimilitude. Is that the way to say it? But, like, there's something weird about, like, how he constantly talks about war, but doesn't really mean... Like, you know, my, my father-in-law was in the Vietnam War and will mention, like, where he fought and what unit he was in and stuff like that. Yeah. He's just very Somalia, vague on everything. Rwanda. Yeah. And it's just like, uh-huh. Okay, uh, yeah, I just don't think he was ever in a war. Cairo. <laughs> Cairo was a day at the beach. Boise, man. I saw some things. Akron. Oh. Yeah, so Crease is out. I mean, you know if you know anything about Are you how... sad at all? Like, do you feel a twinge? Not at all, because I know how stories work, and you know he'll be back. But, right. Uh, there is no getting rid of Crease, not really. He's like the terrible stain in your rug. Yeah, or like a crease in your pants. That right, you that you get can't out. get out. Ooh, yeah. nice. I know. Um, and then let's talk about how Daniel's storyline ends. So he has this very invig- invigorating uh, kind of exercise or activity with his students, and he's feeling on top of the world because... Held even Dimitri successfully. Dodged one punch. Exactly. Um, But he comes back and Amanda's like, where in the hell have you been all day? You were supposed to meet with Anoush. Anoush is gone now. He expected a a job offer from Tom Cole. Interesting fact, in season one, he's the guy who had the rival car dealership. Are you surprised that the dealership game is so cutthroat that they're poaching each other's employees? No, man. I mean, that's the way it's always been, right? Unlike Kreese's definition of real life, that is actually real life. You gotta show up for meetings and shit, and you gotta, like, treat your employees right, or else they'll leave. 
Yeah, and Anoush was not having it anymore. I mean, after having to scale a billboard... Getting punched in the stomach by your boss's childhood karate rival. Yeah, it's Anoush, very understandable. I get it, man. Move on. Happy trails. Tom Cole gives that cacti to people, which is a good American plant. Right. I, I, I'm in support of this decision. I mean, the thing that... See, Amanda basically, like, rips into him and is just like... You were not giving your attention to anything else. Like, you were focusing all your attention on your stupid... My worst on her is your stupid fucking dojo. <laughs> and you're not paying attention to your wife or your job. Um, this is all, like, really valid criticism. And again, I feel like... I wish this season would stop shying away from, like, actual complexity. Like, I this doesn't really come up much again in subsequent episodes, like, Daniel resolves it pretty quickly. In yeah, it's it's deeply disappointing, because I think, here's something interesting about, like, I think Daniel's character is interesting in that he can't seem to actually internalize or take any of the lessons that Miyagi gave him. Like, he seems to live in, like, the, like, when he ran into that random fisherman, like, <laughs> the words sink in for only a moment, and then... The next episode, he's like reset to classic Daniel, which is moving through his life in a midlife crisis. Yeah, and it's like there's a huge difference between Miyagi, who, if you recall, did not want to take Daniel as a student at all. Like, he, he just did not see the point of it until he finally was like, I gotta do this for this kid to be able to survive, right? Um, starting Miyagi Do is not about that. Starting Miyagi Do is about taking down Cobra Kai, which is something Miyagi would have been like, what the hell are you doing, man? You have a job and a wife. Like, get, get with that. Maybe train this Dimitri kid. He needs it. But, like, anyways, I feel like the idea that Daniel has this obsession and it's actually ruining his life, that would be really interesting. That gives some stakes to it. Because yeah. that was what John, that, that's what fuels Johnny's stories. We always felt like there were stakes to him losing his livelihood, losing the dojo. The getting... dojo is like, aside from his livelihood, it's like the only thing that seems to be holding him together. It's his anchor. In yeah, life. like his son whereas Johnny, to him, Whereas Daniel else. started out with everything and it would be interesting if karate was what made him lose it all. Yeah. And I think it's very likely if you're blowing off work and ignoring your wife's concerns that's probably not great and i don't know i'm just annoyed kind of that amanda i don't know we'll i mean see. in this episode i was kind of like he's very glib about all of he's it very glib i was excited that amanda was like what the fuck in this episode i i hate to spoil it but you know whatever and the next episode daniel basically like kind of like winds her and dines her and gets her to forgive him which is like well, thank you for raising the stakes for, like, approximately 10 minutes or Yeah, so. if the show was interested in doing more with that, I feel like they could say, like, kind of like you put a Band-Aid on a deeper problem with Daniel and right. their marriage. And I would be interested to see that kind of widen in Season 3. So, um, stray observations. I said LaRusso Divorce Watch because I feel like... Mm. They have to do something more with this. One, because there are not that many characters, and it would be dumb for them not to explore this further, but I don't know. Um, I, I, I see what you mean. Like, I, I would I would like, have liked them to do it, but I feel like now is the time, you know? And, like, after this, like, she's basically embraced the Miyagi-Do shenanigans as part of her life. Christ. Um, I'd also, I do have a stray observation. I noticed that there are nine Miyagi-Do students. Uh, last time, there were eight I don't know why there are nine now. Um, uh, Kreese murdered one. Well, no, Kreese, like, added one. Oh, was, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I am totally baffled, like, about the extras who... Well, I mean, this is true of Cobra Kai. There's so many unnamed extras where it's just like, 
Yeah. Who, who's that? What's their story? Anyway. I feel so sad for them because, like, if they're not watching, like, Sam and Robbie's, like, early mating rituals, a.k.a. wheel techniques, I mean, what, what, they're not given much to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess they got to fight in, like, a meat locker. That's something. That's cool. Sounds awful. Get it? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, my straight, it's not a straight observation. It's more my favorite quote from this episode is, uh, when (laughs) Chris is in Miyagi-Do and Daniel's like, they're just kids. And and Chris goes, we were all kids once. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I know. Uh, Even, I feel like I'm just reminiscing, just feeling like. You're, you're sad, aren't you? I am sad. No one will ever crease the way he did. He's back at the homeless shelter, like, <laughs> fighting off bums with a switch knife, He's I at guess. least graduated to a Hampton Inn. Yeah, he might have the money for, like, a Hampton Inn. I mean, he's you know? done some light embezzling, probably selling karate belts, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, what would you rate this episode? You always ask me first. No, I always go first, and then then you basically Fine. one-up me. Yeah. Um, I like this episode more than the last, although I feel like for me, season two is holding steady at like three. So I'll, um, three out of five cigars in bonsais. Nice. Cigars and bonsais, I see. Cigars in bonsais. Oh, cigars in bonsais. Put out in bonsais. Exactly. Very good. We should be proud. I give it, you know, I, I, I'm just going to give it a little edge up because of like, the small amount of Miyagi, not me, I'm sorry, not Miyagi, but Miguel and and Johnny interaction. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give it three point five. Nameless Miyagi Do extra students. Wow, nice. Yeah. As a final final observation, I will say so. Yes, we sort of say goodbye to Crease in a kind of an official way this episode. Um, but I felt sad this episode because I think I was like. We were trying to pinpoint what season two is kind of missing that season one had. And I noticed it in like little scenes, like when they were in the woods and um, what's his face? Chubb slash Stingray Stingray was doing his Stingray bit. And then they like the music cue hit and it was all just very like cheesy and expected. And usually I would, I love cheese and everything, but it feels like, the show used to be very self-aware in a low-key way and, and poke fun of itself in unexpected ways. And now I just feel like... they very expected. Yeah, everything you can see from 50 miles away, every, like, uh, what's-his-face, like, Chubbs is introduced as obviously comedic humor. Mm-hmm. There's nothing... You don't think anything's going to happen with him, and nothing really does. No. I mean... You know, it's, it's not like, oh, this person that you didn't really take seriously and now has become a complicated character of his own... None of that. Yeah, that would have been something. Yeah, I mean, and it's like that with all of the new characters. Tori is pretty much exactly who what she you see seems. is. What she yeah, get. I mean, yeah. Like I remember in season one when you see. I mean, you know, obviously this is a callback to that when you see Hawk walk in with the mohawk and everything, and after having seen him like nearly like break down crying in the middle of a lesson, no part of you was expecting that, you know. And it was such yeah, a that was truly flipping the script. And then when. Stingray does it. It's like you have to earn this. Like you have to, you have to give us something else besides like. Right. It's like well, no, you can't yeah. just be Home Depot guy. And, ha! It's embarrassing and it's funny and it doesn't really work. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, nobody thought it was going to. So yeah, cool. and it's so weird because like the heart of the show, like Johnny and Miguel, they faded into the background. 
Yeah. And it's like all crease mugging for the camera. So much crease mugging. Um, crease has more screen time than Miguel, I would it's guess. It's true. And yeah, that's... this is definitely his season. Um, you know, and... he was ugh, he was better in small doses. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I mean, we know he's immortal and he will be back. But again, I think there's value in, in like scaling back the amount of crease. Yeah, I mean... It's, I don't even know if he's a one-note character. He has, like, maybe four or five really similar notes. Let's say that. It's um, like, but in a musical language we haven't discovered yet. <laughs> four or five didgeridoo that notes. That never, never did exist. Ooh, yeah. Indeed. On that note. <laughs> uh, uh, strike first. Oh, I just got it. Uh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Strike God. hard. No, no mercy. mercy. 